In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie. I'm your host, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Today, I have a new friend, someone that I got to meet about a month ago, Lynette Bachman. Hi, Lynette. Hey, Beth. How you doing? I am good, and I'm really glad to have Lynette come. If you guys um, came to the Disciple Makers Conference in August, it was fabulous. And if you missed it, oh my goodness, what a treasure uh, it was to have her and her husband, Dave, come and share with us. And that is up on the 419 website if you want to go back and listen. And Dave shared on the podcast a few weeks ago, and now we have his wife, Lynette, with us. And we're super glad to have you. Um, Lynette is a a Navigator rep. She's been with the Navigators for 16 years. She's in Nashville. Uh, She grew up in Arlington, Texas. Uh, She went to school at Vanderbilt. She is a mom, a wife, a disciple maker, and she has five kids. I don't know how she does it all, (laughs) but we are sure glad to have Lynette come and share with us today. So Lynette, before we sort of jump in, I have some questions to ask you about parenting and discipling your children and all the stuff that goes with all of that. But I would love to hear your story. Tell us about how you became a disciple of Jesus or how you became a disciple maker. We just would love to hear how God worked in your life. Yeah, thank you. I I do want to say right here at the start that I am mom of five. And so I've been running swim team today and doing all the things. So I just would love to say to everyone out there that I am not an expert, but glad to share, you know, what I've learned along the way about being a disciple maker. Um, But for me, my family um, was put together through adoption. I was adopted when I was a baby. And so part of that was through Lutheran social services. So I grew up uh, knowing that Jesus loved me and being so glad that he did. And when I was 10, we had a tornado hit my house, which was uh, very dramatic and and hard. Um, But through that, my family started going to church regularly and I got involved with church youth group and um, I look back on seeing how really the Holy Spirit discipled me at church through uh, people who invested in my life. I remember in high school being in a small group of women and a a leader really investing in me. Um, I wouldn't say I was formally discipled until I came on staff with the navigators, but I do feel like the Holy Spirit's always been at work um, bringing me along, making me more like Jesus and um, a lot of people have really invested in my life. So I'm so grateful for that. I think I I started in college to get a vision for being a disciple maker, the idea that God might want to use my life to invest into others. Um, There was a book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that book was so helpful for me seeing this was Jesus's method. You know, he invested in multitudes in a crowd. He had the 12 that he spent time with he really focused in on raising his disciples and that was his grand plan for reaching the whole world was those 12 men. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun journey of learning. This is part of being a Christian is being a disciple maker. 
It really is. I, I love you mentioned that book. We had Robert Coleman come for one of our conferences years oh, ago. Wow. Wow. Was, yeah. That's amazing. Um, but it is such a if you if you look in the scripture the way that he does in that book, um, Master Pan of Evangelism. And it talks about evangelism, but discipleship. It's really about the whole method of discipleship. It is such a blueprint for us that we can see. And don't you think that our we develop into the image of Christ by discipling others. Like I think it's living into that uh, part of our our life with Christ that really does uh, continue to mold us. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Well, Lynette, I wanted to have you on specifically to come and talk to a topic that I think um, many want to do and some do, and I think some would like to do even better. But, you know, p- discipling is starts with your family. It starts with your own children. And yet sometimes people feel like, well, gosh, I'm still learning or I don't know, or what does that look like? And I, one of the questions I get a lot is what is the difference between like Christian parenting and discipling your children? Yeah. Can you us about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think ideally they are one in the same. And I think the scriptures really see them that way. You know, you think of Deuteronomy six, when God says to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it says, you know, impress these things on your children. Talk about them basically through your whole day. When you sit down, when you stand up, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed, you know, hopefully impressing faith into our kids to love God is how we parent. But I think culturally, a lot of times Christian parenting can look like making sure you drop kids off at youth group or, um, you know, kind of teaching good morals in your home. And so maybe I'd say a distinctive of discipling would be that real personal investment in your children and having conversations with them, letting your passion and love for Jesus bubble out of you into your kids' lives and, and really intentionally getting in the word with them, sharing your faith story, um, really praying with your kids, just that's that intentional mindset and personal investment, I would say would be the kind of distinctive of really discipling, discipling your kids. Yeah, that that's good and important. And it's funny, I've heard many testimonies and so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them, they say, well, my parents taught me, like my my parents were the first people to sort of teach me about Jesus. And so we can never underestimate, right? What that that is, that conversation at home about Jesus, not just at church, right? So plan A is in your home. The church is to supplement that plan, right? Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's a beautiful example. Um, and thank you for mentioning scripture. So along those lines, are there biblical examples of discipling your children? Can you think of any that uh, yeah. show up in the Bible? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Paul uses just the metaphor of spiritual parenting throughout the New Testament, especially if you look in First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. He, he talks about investing in people like a father and like a mother. And it, it's the whole picture is just like a parent. This is the picture of disciple making. Um, You know, I love uh, Psalm 144 has this beautiful picture. It says, you know, then our sons and their youth will be, let's see, I'm going to read it actually. Is that okay? Yeah. Then our sons and their youth will be like well-nurtured plants and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Mm. And I love that picture of, of really having a vision for our kids. Um, I think to, we see the relationships, you know, Timothy, who was Paul's kind of disciple, we see how he was invested in by his mother and his grandmother. That's in the beginning of uh, the books of Timothy. It talks about that. And 
Um, I was thinking the other day about Moses, you know, we don't have necessarily clear scripture about this, but we see that he had a good concept of the God of the Jews and, and all of that, but he was raised in, you know, Egypt with um, the Pharaoh's daughter. So it had to have been those early years of being nursed by his mother that he would have had that investment and that perspective put into him. So um, I think we see that sometimes I, just in general, the story of the Bible is families. You know, we see Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. God loves to use families. Even many of the disciples were siblings. Right. Um, so I think we can miss the context of that as, as we read often. But uh, no, those are great. Very good examples. Yeah, I, I thought about Timothy, but I, I never thought about Moses. That's that's so true because he did have that really deep understanding and passion and love for the Lord that had to have been poured into him uh, in those early years. Wow. Good, yeah. good, good point there. And even Hannah, you know, she went to go visit her son every year, even after she'd given him to Eli to, to train. So there's some really sweet pictures of investment, I think. Right, right. Definitely. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, the big question that I think so many uh, people, many of our listeners and parents want to know are what are some of the practical things? Like, when you talk about discipling your kids, what does that look like? <laughs> yes, I know. And I I just want to encourage all the parents out there that I really think if you are one step ahead, <laughs> then you can bring your kids along with you. And I, I really think it's our personal passion and love for Jesus that is the biggest impact you can have on your kids more than what you say or any big program that you create. Um, I think it's just sharing them. I love Jesus. He is the most important thing in my life. And even in all your failures and your worst days to let them see you cling to him because they're going to have failures and they're going to have hard days. And I think sometimes we have this mindset that we've got to have it all together. And we've also, you know, got to present this perfect expert mentality before we can invest anything. And that's really not reality, but I would, I just hope and pray for my kids. They'll say, mom had a lot she had not figured out, but I saw her cling to Jesus through it and love him. And so in all the stuff I don't have figured out, I can do the same, you know? Um, I think scripture memory is a huge investment, just memorizing, getting into the word, talking about it. Uh, we do family devotions a few mornings a week in our house and it is not a program. We just open the word together and read. Um, right now we're in Acts and we read a little bit and then we just ask questions and discuss it. So, um, and there's sometimes we're like, we don't know the answer to that question, you know, right. but it's just being in the word together. Um, I think also sharing your journey as it's appropriate, you know, as our, as our middle school girls are getting a little older, uh, opening up more about things that, you know, maybe seem sensitive when they're little, but being more open about uh, our own failures and sin and how God's redeeming that and how his grace has been evident in your life, just starting to open that up, uh, I think is powerful. You know, we work with college students for our job and it, it's very rare to meet college students who really have any real conversations about faith in their house. And that's been really eye-opening for me. Um, you know, some have, have been church going families, but there just has not been any discussion about their parents' personal relationship at any point in their life that they can remember. But I'm noticing even in our house, it's easy to go to church on Sunday 
and then go home and make lunch and not really talk about it. And for it to be just the segmented couple hours of our week. And so even in that, I'm trying to, you know, hey, this is what really struck me in the message, or this is how I really want to try to apply what I learned this week. Um, and your kids are great accountability partners, right? I mean, they are yes. in your house and they can point out things to, to you pretty easily. Um, it has to be appropriate and, you know, respectful, but um, I think just letting them in to your walk with God is so huge and being a safe place, you know, mm -hmm. praying with them, um, loving them deeply. Just if you had someone in your life that was not a Christian, you would be patient with them. You would love them. You would serve them. You would look for opportunities to share Christ with them. Like it's the same with our kids. And, you know, they maybe have made a profession of faith, but they are tender little shoots that need to be nurtured and cared for. And I think, um, just as we would love someone who doesn't know Jesus outside our home, we should all the more love the little people that God's entrusted to us. Right. Goodness. Those are so many good things. I, I love that. Um, well, the part about our life, like they're watching, right? Like the, they, they notice things. You're, you're right. They're very smart. Kids are observant. Are you actually living out the things, right, that we talk about uh, that on Sunday? So I think that's so good to just share the, like you were saying, the love for the Lord and, and showing that in so many ways. Um, the scripture memory, kids are like sponges. They learn so easily. I feel like as you get older, that gets a little harder. So, wow, that's good. What does that look like? You know, do you guys have um, like different ones that you do in a month or do you just like stick on one for a while or how do you do that? Yeah, I'd say we've tried a lot of different things. You know, when they were little, I, I did like the A to Z scripture memory where you learned a verse that started with each letter of the alphabet. Um, the navigators have a topical memory system that uh, is called the topical memory system by the navigators. And they just actually came out with a kid's version that oh. has game games you can play. And um, just it's a set of 60 verses organized into five packs of 12. And that that's been a great uh, thing. Sometimes we'll pick a passage to try to learn or even just a couple verses. But um, I think it's just those are those are things that won't return empty and you know you plant it in your kiddo's heart and hope that when they're 30 40 50 it will come back <laughs> to mind right. you know and we're learning it with them so that's really cool you know we don't have to have it memorized we can learn it right alongside them so oh yes, that's wonderful I, I do have them check me a lot on my you know did i get this right come check me on my verses so <laughs> yes. yeah that's great. And that, like, like you were saying that, that allows them to, to feel like they're being part of that with you. Um, and I love the family devotion time that you said, and uh, just all the, all the many things, those are very practical and easy, doable things, right? Throughout the, throughout the week, uh, day yeah. in, day out in that consistency. There's one yeah. key thing you said that I really think um, just, I hear this a lot in adults, so I know this is impactful, but like, when something comes up, when a crisis comes up, it's how you lean into the Lord that they they notice that, right? Our kids are watching. Are we trying to control everything ourselves? Are we in fear? Are we worrying? At, you know, are we really modeling our faith? Um, and uh, they look to us for security. So if we have faith and security right in the Lord, then we are going to give them that same faith uh, and security in that crisis that that they may be feeling as well. 
Totally. I mean, I feel like this, like this in marriage, but also in parenting, there's so much power to grabbing your spouse's hand or saying to your kids, this is really hard and we don't have the answers right now, but we are going to trust Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. I, there's so much leadership in that and it does give so much security. Um, I was asking one of my daughters, Mackenzie, uh, you know, how do you think mom's invested in you spiritually? And she said, you know, when you just pray at me at night, over me at night for protection, it helps me go to sleep knowing that God's watching over me, you know? Well, that's not a program. That's not some Bible study we sat down to do, but that was the thing that surfaced for her. Um, so I thought that was interesting. It is. It's good. That makes them feel good. And we know every kid's wild, wired differently. And some are going to be, you know, um, maybe even go through phases of their own uh, doubt. Or that's a normal even part of growing up, right? To have some doubt at times. Um, and that's okay. We, yeah. uh, we keep modeling and loving and living it out even in those moments. Um, totally, Beth. You know, we have one of our kiddos has really struggled with doubt. And it's hard to not freak out as a parent and worry, but um, I think our college student training has helped us some. And so I would just encourage any parent um, with a kiddo with doubt, we have really tried to just create open space. Thank you so much for trusting me that you would tell me that you're doubting about this and God's not concerned about that. There's nothing he's worried you might find out about him that would disprove him. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes we'll even say, you know, how much doubt do you feel like you have or how much like faith do you think you have? Like, do you think you have this much faith in God, you know, a couple inches or, you know, a foot, or do you think you have a yardstick of, of trust in God? And, you know, usually there's some that they have that is trusting God and you just say, you know what, buddy, that's all God needs. Mm -hmm. He can take any amount of faith and, 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 and reach you and multiply and multiply it. So yeah, we, we have been there with uh, one of our kiddos and I, I don't think we need to be afraid of it. And the safest place for them to, to process their doubt is in your home versus when they get out and go to school or when they're out in the world, like anytime your kid opens up to you, they are building the relationship with trust. And that is something to celebrate and, and hold really dear. Oh, that is, that's beautiful. You know, we've mentioned parenting a lot. Is there anything different for if, if you're a grandparent and you're listening and you're like, hey, I want to do this with my grandchildren. You know, I've already raised my kids, but I want to be intentional with my grandchildren. Is, is there anything different or is it pretty much the same steps? I would say it's really similar. You know, I think take every opportunity and be a, be a safe place for your grandkids. Share your story. Help them see that it's not just their faith, but it's the faith of their parents and of their grandparents. And this is our whole family line has believed this. You know, I think it is such an opportunity. Um, so I would encourage any grandparent listening to really pray about what would it look like for me to open up and share my story, share the share the gospel uh, with my grandkids to pray for them. I mean, what a sweet testimony to say, hey, I have a grandparent that is regularly asking me how they can pray for me and faithfully does so. I mean, that is such a gift. So yeah, I would say it's really, it's high relationship and less program. I think sometimes we, we want the program because it gives us an ABC that we can check off and feel really good about. But in family, it's, it's the relationship you know, 90%. <laughs> right. Because if they feel love that, that they're going to keep coming back and keep wanting that. And it's, it's, it's you, they don't want to, I mean, 
they don't need us to fix them as much as we they need us to sh- to show them how right uh, to model it to lead to example to be an example to to guide um, but you bring up a, a really good point and I also think of I've heard a lot of stories of people who say their grandparent was a, a light for them right in their own faith mm-hmm. I think grandparents might even have it sometimes a little bit better because they get to like swoop in and do all the wonderful things, right? But they can be such a safe place. You know, maybe if there is a misunderstanding or tension at home and they can't feel like they can't talk to their parent, they don't understand, even if the parent does. But sometimes the grandparent can be that, right? That safe place or the person who they feel like um, might be willing to listen. Totally, totally. And I would say for parents and grandparents, it's hard, right? Because your kids aren't going to always listen, obey, respect, (laughs) you know, the relationally it can get dicey. And so I think trying to be as unoffended as possible and patiently loving is going to be so crucial. And I think grandparents do have an edge there because they're not responsible for all the discipline and, and that kind of pressure. So uh, yeah, I, I would say such an opportunity there. Yeah. That's a beautiful opportunity. I have seen a lot of women, just particularly, maybe that's just where my uh, view has been, who start off just pouring into their kids and then they start to get the vision that, wow, this is relational and I can love all my kids this way. And then they can sometimes be willing to step out and start to do it with others, like with their neighbors or maybe with, uh, you know, they, they, they sort of catch that vision much like you described in your own testimony. Um, but sometimes if the parents, the kids have grown up, how do they transition or what does that look like? Do, do they have a responsibility to share their faith with the world? Um, <laughs> some might say, well, it's just my kids, but some might also start to get that vision there. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I think it's great for, it's great for our kids to see us ministering to people outside of our home because they need the reminder that life doesn't totally revolve around them. And we hope that one day our kids will reach their neighbors. So we want to model that in our, um, in our own life. But I will say we have this phrase in our house, um, responsibilities before opportunities. Mm. And I think it can be so easy to get really excited about lots of opportunities outside the house. And honestly, most of the time people are a lot more grateful and affirming (laughs) when you're serving outside your house than your kids are in your own house, or maybe that's just our house, but, um, (laughs) but I think it's easy to give our best energy outside our house, even to the neglect of God-given responsibilities. And so that's been a real filter for me uh, when opportunities come up is just, okay, but is my, do I have capacity to really fulfill what God's clearly given me as a responsibility as a, as a parent to kiddos and as a wife? Um, do I have extra capacity to then do this opportunity? Um, And that's been crucial for us because we could, especially in our work with college students, we could spend a lot of our energy helping other people's kids. But if we miss our own kids, that Mm -hmm. is such a loss because no one else can be mama to to Mm -hmm. my five kiddos. So I would say, yes, take those opportunities. It's great modeling for your children. And um, as you have capacity, God could really use you in the lives of the people around you. You know, you're on the street that you are for a reason. You're go into the gym that you're going to or the hairdresser that you're going to for a reason. But I just think it can't be to the neglect of really having space and time to nurture and love and 
pass faith on to our kids. Yes. Well, so, so well said we can get busy um, and then forget that. Thank you for that good reminder. Well, as we are starting to come to a close, um, if there's a listener out there that's feeling anxious, maybe they feel like they're just learning about Jesus themselves, or maybe they have their own doubt. I was just thinking, or maybe they just feel like I'm going to get asked hard questions and they need somebody who knows the Bible more. What would be your encouragement for parents out there who are like, there are listeners out there, grandparents who are just anxious about that. Yeah. I mean, I would just encourage you. I think this generation doesn't want experts. What they really want is people that are vulnerable and that will learn alongside them and that they feel they have something to contribute. So to just embrace that it's okay to learn alongside your kids and um, learn from your kids and then also offer some leadership but uh, just to, I think, I don't know, have you read Paul Tripp's book, um, Parenting? No, he, I haven't. I've read okay. other books by him. It's it, good. it is wonderful. But he talks in there about how often we can come, we can think that we're more like God uh-huh. and less like our kids. But the reality is we're way more like our kids <laughs> in our sin and our need for God than we are perfect like God. Oh. So really embracing Hey, I'm just like you. This is really hard to be patient or I I struggle with the same thing. I lose my temper too, you know. Relating with them as a fellow struggler on this walk to follow Jesus more than I'm the one that has it together and thou shalt follow all of my rules, you know. Um and I would just say his strength is made perfect in our weakness and our world celebrates strength, but uh God God works and is is glorified in our weakness. So, you know, if you're feeling weak in this, then you're in the perfect spot for God to do something really, really big. Um, and I often will just kind of lead with what I'm nervous about. Like if it feels awkward, you know, maybe we haven't talked about a certain subject and I'm feeling nervous about it. I'll just say, Hey, this could be really weird. Um, but I've really been thinking about and praying about something I want to talk to you about, you know, could, could we find a good time? Uh, or, you know, if you haven't started having spiritual conversations, it could be really out of the blue for your kids. But, you know, it's okay to just acknowledge that. And if you're not weird about it, they won't feel weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so to just say, this may be, this is different, but I really want to share with you what God's been doing in my life lately. And I'll just say, if you make it fun and you bring in treats or food, they really won't care. I mean, they, they will love it. So um, make it fun. Keep it lighthearted. It, it, we really want to avoid a kind of spiritual spirit or atmosphere where, you know, I mean, I remember when we first started doing family devotions. The kids were just crazy. It was loud. We couldn't get everyone's focus. And, you know, I wanted to be like, everyone sit still, you know, sit up straight, <laughs> eye contact, you know. But we want we want the atmosphere to be fun and inviting and engaging. And so it's a little bit of a dance to figure figure that out. But my experience is, you know, make some nice tea or bring in a fun treat and make a special time with with your kids, even with my older ones, you know, time spent together where I'm present and focused on them, especially individually. That speaks so much love to them. They love it. And so. Right. Uh, if you can cultivate that time and that relationship, it's you really don't have to get it all perfect. You you can blunder in your words, but they oh. they will remember it forever. Yes, oh, such good advice. 
Yeah, so many nuggets there. And I just love the way that it, it's not going to be this holy uh, moment. It's going to be we all are who we are showing up at that moment. And that's okay, too. God loves it. We're seeking him. Uh, Lynette, thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing yeah. with us today. My pleasure. Yes. So if you guys um, have not gone back and listened to the conference, again, you can go out on the website and Lynette shares other really good tips there. I'll, I'll just give you that nugget. There's some really practical things um, that you can do in both um, discipling your children, your grandchildren, and then uh, living out your faith as a light in the world, uh, her and Dave talked about. And that is on 419disciplemakers.org. It is actually right on the homepage. So you can find that conference easily. Um, they shared with us for a couple of hours and you can watch that at your convenience. Hey, I would also encourage you if this podcast blessed you today, or if you know a parent or a grandparent who might really could use some encouragement in this area, would you share that with them? Go ahead and share the podcast and uh, let God use that because we want that next generation to love him so very much. So God bless each of you until next time, and we will continue our conversation then. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org.